Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated, which provides management, publicity, and related services. I hope that you've been receiving the weekly e-newsletter that I send out every Wednesday. There is information in there about the latest podcast episode, plus other goings-on, including exclusives that only the people who are signed up to that list get to see first. If you are not getting that, it's quick and easy to sign up. Just go to the show website, nhte.net, and pop in your email address. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Austin, Texas, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just released a brand new single the day after Christmas and is releasing a music video for it. She had also put out a new song last June and is performing regularly around the Austin area. In 2019, she released an EP that featured vocals from Michael McDonald, who she has opened for, as well as Kenny Loggins and Dennis Quaid. She also caught the attention of actor Jeff Bridges, who has featured her online as a result. She was previously a guest on this show back in the summer of 2018 on episode 236. You've been hearing a song of hers called Sleep in My Car. Welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Carly Jo Jackson. Hey there, how's it going, Bruce? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. It's great to have you on the show again, even if we have to settle for being in different cities this time. <laughs> yep, not stretching all the way in Miami. That was so awesome the first time. It was great that we were in the same city, but we can make it work. We recorded our first interview three and a half years ago, as Carly Joe just said, in Miami. And since then, she and I have seen each other at events in Orlando and Anaheim. But now mm -hmm. she has moved to Texas, which we're going to talk about during this episode. But Carly Joe, let's start off first by having you tell the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Sleep in My Car. Oh my gosh, that song always turns heads whenever I say what it's <laughs> called and try to explain it a little bit before I play it. But as you can imagine, being anybody up there on stage and saying, this song is called I Sleep in My Car, they're like, what? <laughs> but it's grown so close to my heart because it's really more more than being about actually sleeping in your car, which it technically is about. It's more about self-independence, where you can really rely on yourself to get out of any situation that doesn't suit you. Like, I would rather, you know, sleep in my car than hang out in this situation, you know, or like, you know, just really being self-reliant and dependent on yourself to protect yourself and to deal with all your own situations on your own and get through. Because it really is an empowering feeling to feel independent. So really, that's what <laughs> the song is about. Although you'll hear me singing about sleeping in my car on Biscayne Bay, you know, you get in a fight with some of your friends and then you have nowhere to go and then you end up sleeping in a car with a guitar and uh, you might write a song. So it's kind of where it goes, you know. <laughs> that's interesting because I was going to ask you if maybe you were, quote unquote, on tour and driving in your car by yourself and maybe you got this idea for a song because maybe one night you thought, gosh, you know what, I think I'm sleeping in my car tonight. 
Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's happened, definitely. But I, the song in particular was about a terrible roommate situation where we had four girls that didn't get along living together in the same apartment. And it was much easier to just spend some nights sleeping in your own car rather than sleeping amongst the bickering and fighting late into the night and stuff. So I wrote that song in that situation. But I've had people reach out to me saying that it really touched them and their heart from moments where they had nowhere to go and they had to sleep in their car or they were traveling like on tour, like you were saying, and then they had nowhere to sleep. So a hotel is really expensive, but your car can be comfortable too for the time being, you know, it's really expanded the way, you know, that I would think of it. So it's, it's been an honor to have that reaction. Okay. But take us back to what you were describing in terms of where the song idea came from, which was the roommate situation. So do you get the idea, wow, this is really nuts. I got to write a song about this and you just kind of hang on to that concept or is it like, how did you connect this roommate is driving us all nuts to everything that you just described since it's not as simple as my roommate is driving me so crazy I just as soon sleep in my car how did you build out the idea from there that's a great question because it's actually kind of funny how it works how it worked out for me but I kind of I start to write whenever something is bothering me because it's a really good way to deal with things and I think Mm. I started doing that without knowing like It was upsetting me so much that I think the only way to really look at it and get back at it is to, you know, turn its scary face into a song kind of thing. So I started writing the lyrics. I sleep in my car. I don't care what you say. You've never lived my life. Not a day. And um, I stuck with that verse. But then I started realizing that those lyrics reminded me of my journey with music. So then I started off in the verse this rhythm is a melody. It's true to me. It's a train on fire. It's a broken heart symphony. Cause those are all the emotions that go with, you know, the feelings of now I'm sleeping in my car. I kind of tied together two ideas after that, because in my writing, I felt like I was leaning more towards a story of gigging and the hardships of mm. that. So it's cool how there's kind of different meanings with it because it grew from two ideas essentially and got tied together. So it's a Siamese twin, that song. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was cool. an absolutely, absolutely fantastic description that you just gave of the oh, way that that you. song was written. And this is not what it sounds like, but this is episode 414, and I wish that I would have done something better so that in the prior 413 episodes, I could have better set up my guests to give the kind of answer that you just gave, because I think that's very oh. insightful for the audience to understand Gosh, the way that songs get constructed. Totally. Yeah. It's not, it's more about like ideas and really letting go of construction as it is. Cause that's art, you know, that's when cool stuff happens when you paint with a cotton ball instead of a paintbrush or mm. you make the cotton ball, the paint, or, you know, like you just turn it inside out because that's what it's all about. That's why writing classes to me are very interesting because there is a way, you know, you pass the class and you do the things there, but I think they're really just trying to inspire you, showing you different ways other people have done it. So then you tie it together, your own stories and there is no rules. You just, you know, there's guidelines, there's examples, but you make your own rules really. 
Fantastic. Especially with songwriting. That's Fantastic. how it goes. Yeah, no doubt. Thank no you. Doubt. Wow, bravo. Gosh, thank you so much. I'm always worried that I'm talking in circles, Bruce. Thank you so much. No, bravo. That was wonderful. <laughs> that was wonderful. Thank you. And folks, an apology to the audience as well. I got off track the last couple of weeks as it relates to veering away from something I started to talk about on episodes 410 and 411. And I wanted to continue it today. I'm talking about some notable musicians who have voiced their support for Centrance and more specifically being users of that company's Mixerface, which is a combination audio interface and portable handheld recorder that you've heard me talking about for a couple months now since I use something just like it that's made for podcasters. Tommy Coster has produced both Eminem and 50 Cent, and he said, quote, absolutely amazing, bravo, Centrance, what a powerful portable audio interface, end quote. And Denny Fongheiser, a percussionist for Bruce Springsteen, Tracy Chapman, and Seal, said this about the mixer face. Quote, the great sound and flexibility has made this the primary audio interface in my studio, travel, and tour. End quote. If you are an aspiring musician, this is the investment you need to make to deliver pro audio quality sound to your fans, your listeners, your audience. And they even have a deal for my audience. On my show website, nhte.net, click or tap on the Mixer Face ad in the right-hand column on desktop or scroll way down on mobile to see it. And when you order directly from Centrance, they will not only give you free U.S. shipping, but enter the code BRUCE and you will get a free watertight accessory case to carry the Mixer Face in. Get professional studio quality sound in a compact unit. Go online and order your Mixer Face today for an investment that you and your fans will appreciate. Carly Joe, the song that was playing at the beginning of this episode is from an EP you put out in late 2019. Talk about that five-song release and who you worked with on it, as well as the distribution that you had gotten for it. Oh, yeah, that was so much fun. That was probably one of the most natural EPs that I've ever let out because mm. usually, you know, we put all the bells and whistles into things, but at this point, kind of just let it out as it is. But I was inspired to do so by um, an event that happened, and you might find this interesting because it happened in Anaheim at NAM. Ah. I took a big risk and scraped up some money for a ticket with a drummer friend of mine and we got a spot to play in one of the time slots from the NAM performance options yeah. and we got stuck in the Sheraton Hotel in the lobby and we had like a 7 o'clock time slot which we thought was perfect we're like yeah people are going to be coming home from dinner and it's going to be a great time but we get there and it's kind of dead not very many people are there we're like it's a, we're all dressed up and we're super excited but it ended up going perfectly well because it was one of those things where a lot of people in the music industry talk about it being a little bit of luck and a lot of experience you know like they but that luck part only comes from being out there you have to mm -hmm. be you know in the field working you can't or you know nowadays we have in the fields that are available online too so yeah. you know what i mean you got to yeah. be releasing stuff and performing as much as you can so i got a little bit of luck whenever i did that performance and we thought we were in a dead lobby however my friend chris polonis now who at the time i didn't know was walking through with his family and they happened to be in the wrong hotel they thought that they were at a marriott or something mm. but they walked into the sheraton and they noticed that me and my drummer were playing and we're thinking this, you know, this, this gig obviously may not come up with anything, but let's just put our hearts in it, use it as practice. And we're going to have a good time. 
because we had had this awesome day at Nam, anyway, you know, exploring all the the rooms and the wings and dings and toys and stuff. So mm-hmm. we're like, yay, we're just going to have a good night too. But afterwards, Chris Polonis and his family approached me and my drummer and they were asking if we would be interested in flying out to California and possibly recording some songs just the way that they heard it. Like he was telling me that he was this big producer and all this cool stuff. And at this point, you know, in, in my journey, I felt like, you know, people, things, sometimes people say things and you never know. So I was very, I was definitely very cautious, but he was very interested. And that made me excited because he was interested in the natural form of what I was playing, Mm. not adding a bunch of bells and whistles. He just wanted to do exactly what we just did, the cajon and the guitar Mm -hmm. and put a good room mic and stuff and um, get it recorded that way. And I was really interested in that. So we did a lot of research. We find out that this guy is like a huge deal. He's really, (laughs) he's a sound guru. He's just working with Sony, building sound studios for PlayStation and working with all kinds of artists out in California. So it ended up working out really well where we would go out there every couple months or so and keep recording this EP and everything went beautifully just as planned. Like he knew exactly how to record things where you can literally like smell the wood of the guitars as you're like listening to it. Hmm. And that's what we really wanted. So that's kind of what the vibe was. So we decided to call it all natural, which I guess in French means all natural, you know? (laughs) So we're going with that. And we were thinking of so many other words like raw or stripped, but Christina Aguilera had stripped. And then, you know, there were so many different ways that we were looking at it, but that just stuck out to me. So we decided to name it that. And we've got five songs on it, but we recorded much more. So I was thinking Ah. about possibly releasing another EP sometime from like, kind of like a second chapter on natural part two or something, Mm. but possibly even using more raw tapes, like not even adding as much as Ah. we did to all natural, even more stripped down than before. Wow. And share with the audience about the distribution that you had gotten for that for all natural. Oh my gosh, Chris Polonis did a great thing where he was able to reach out to Cherry Bomb Records, which is owned by Jimmy Buffett's label, and they like to support young artists that are kind of like trying to get in the rise that Jimmy Buffett likes as well. So it was really cool to be a part of their distribution for a while because it felt like I had a good team behind me, you know, ready to give the song a good spot. And they got me on great Spotify playlists and stuff. Mm. Distribution is really, it's a game changer for artists. And there's so many ways to access it too. Like you don't even have to go to Jimmy Buffett's like sister label or anything like that. You know, there's plenty of ways to do it, but it's game changing. I'm sure you know a lot about that. Well, I mentioned back in the intro that this EP that you're talking about featured vocals from Michael McDonald. Plus, I mentioned Kenny Loggins' name in the intro as somebody that you opened for. And I want to ask you about having gotten connected with those two guys as well as David Crosby. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That story is crazy. But it's it's because of the Polonis family. They live out in Santa Barbara, and they know all these folks that happen to live out there as well. And with his recording studio and stuff, he gets some big names that come through every now and then, and he's made great friendships. So in that, he was able to kind of helped me out with some music names and getting musical advice like from Michael McDonald and stuff who's an angel 
I don't even know mm. if he's a human being because he's just the <laughs> nicest person. And the way, it's like one of those things where you try to imagine, is this person as nice as they seem? Yes, he's completely as wow. nice as he seems. Wow. And it was so great. To, it was an honor to feel like I was okay enough to be in, you know, like I'm over here thinking I'm a fumbling fumbling around trying to keep it together and they're like yeah do you want to we should introduce you to him we think that it would be good and i'm like are you sure i feel like i'm gonna ruin everything but it was it was perfect but the story of david is well hold on a second crazy. because i i want to pat you on the back further because <laughs> for michael mcdonald to lend vocals to the ep and mind you audience he didn't just do one song we're talking several songs i, I think it might have been yeah. all but one but to also let you open up for him you know, because yeah. to to lend his name to something, his reputation is on the line because he's Michael McDonald. And if someone listens to 100%. Carly Joe's EP and they say, eh, this is okay. And then they go, gosh, what is Michael McDonald doing on here? Well, now all of a sudden, it's not only Carly Joe that's going to be mortified, but Michael McDonald that's going to go, uh-oh, what did I do? And oh, obviously, <laughs> he felt so good about the whole thing that he took it one step further and gave you the opportunity to open up for him. And, and I mentioned in the intro that same thing with Kenny Loggins, that you opened up for Kenny also. Yeah, it, it's really incredible. Whenever we, like in some of these moments, I'm literally about to pass out because, you know, <laughs> you're wondering, like, can I can I handle it? Can I do this? Like, they... You know, they see me as this person that can handle it. So mm, got to handle it. But really, you kind of separate from thinking about, you know, what's happening. And you just think about how much you love it and how much these people mm. love it, too. And they've made a dream career out of it. So it's the best situation, you know, to just be grateful and to not be worried, you wow. know. And, and it's because as artists, we pick ourselves apart to till the end, you know, yeah, it, I yeah. don't think it's something that truly goes away because it's part of being an artist is yeah. you have to make sure and curate whatever you're doing, make mm. sure that it is you. So it, it doesn't go away, but it was a true honor to feel like, wow, it, I can't believe they didn't, I wasn't there when he recorded on my songs. So whenever I arrived that trip that I got to hear it for the first time, they kept playing different songs with him on it. And I was just in a dream, like, mm. wait, that's him on everything. And it's always, it's always such an amazing thing to go back and listen and be like, I can't believe this happened. Mm -hmm. And then opening for him and stuff and singing with him on some of the stages, it was just an absolute dream. And he's so inclusive. I feel like that's how all artists should be just inclusive and open and confident. You know, that's, that's where we should start is being confident. So I'd love to hear about the Kenny Loggins opening slot because he was not tied to your EP project. And then also the, the David Crosby story too. Oh yeah. With Kenny, we went to this Hawaii songwriters fest, which is absolutely incredible. It, it was beautiful. It was like a bunch of songwriters and producers and, people in the music industry, including Kenny Loggins, who were out there to kind of ambassador for people who were young songwriters mm. looking for advice on stuff. And there was private classes and stuff, which was really, really cool. But um, in that, at the very end of the week of the whole songwriting experience, or I think it was more like a weekend rather than a week, but um, Kenny Loggins and all the other artists involved got up and they did 
a bunch of songs, like a, almost like a concert, but really just more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And um, they asked if a couple people would like to sing with Kenny. And then he came out wow. and he asked if I could come sing with him too, because wow. he knew Chris Polonis. So it was really uh, cool to wow. be on that stage. But I was so, I don't know why that time stands out for me so much for being so nervous. Cause mm. it was a pretty big fest and there was a lot of people just looking at you and you get a little nervous sometimes. <laughs> I don't think that ever completely goes away, but I was like, not here, not now, not going to pass out. Cannot let logins down. <laughs> it was great. Awesome. We sang together a awesome. song, um, return to Pooh corner. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. I love that. And, uh, what about David Crosby? David's story was a little bit funky because we were sitting down at dinner at, I don't know if you've seen the movie Sideways, but they talk a lot about the restaurant, The Hitching Post, where it's like a wine bar. And um, we were there at that, the restaurant is real and it's in um, Solvang. And we were sitting down, me and Chris, at this restaurant with a couple friends. And then somebody comes up in my blind eye and they take a sip of my wine and I look and it looks like somebody who's like in a beanie. He looks like he just walked in from the road and I'm like, excuse me, sir, that's my wine. But I just like let him do it. Cause I didn't know who he was. And then everybody started calling him Crosby and telling him to sit down. And I freaked out because then my, I put it together. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is him. Wow. This is really him. And he sat down right next to me wow. and we started talking about Carly Simon. Cause I told him my name was Carly uh-huh. and I was actually named after Carly Simon, which is kind of funny cause I ended up with a guitar. Huh. <laughs> but, um, it was ironic, but he told me lots of fun stories about her and Stevie Nicks and all these Bonnie Rayet people that I really admire. And we got to talking so much that we ended up explaining that I had a show the next day at Chris Polonis's venue in Solvang called the lost chord. And I was explaining that I would love for him to show up, but I kind of knew like, he's probably not going to show up. And Chris Polonis kind of told me that he's like, you shouldn't expect it. He's probably not going to show up. I know the guy he's, he's probably like nodding his head, but he's thinking in his mm. head, no, I'm not coming. But at the very end of my show, he shows up Wow. or at the beginning, at the beginning, he was there before anybody else. And it was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So we sat down and talked some more, gave me lots of advice of people I should listen to mm. like Sean Colvin and more Bonnie Raya and Joni Mitchell and stuff. People he really thinks are good songwriters. And, um, he left in the middle of my second song or something. So I was thinking he didn't like it, you know, or something. I just stopped thinking about it at that mm. point. Cause I'm like, I just got a gig, man. I can't overthink this right now. Crosby just walked out. Just don't think about it. But whenever I got done, one of my managers that was helping me over there named Tracy Collins, she's an angel woman. She came up to me and wanted to let me know that David wants to go to breakfast the next morning wow. so that we can talk about my career and wow. stuff and that he had to go because he needed to go to bed. But I was astounded and I freaked out and they're all trying to prepare me. They're like, Mm. be careful. He's a little bit brash, but he's awesome. So it's (laughs) going to be great. They were just trying to cushion me as much because they don't No one knew what he was going to say. Like he could be pulling me aside to be like, you need to quit. You know, know. (laughs) but he ended up, it was great. We had a great conversation. He did tell me some things, you know, like you need to work on guitar and you need to work on your songwriting a little bit, you know, just keep giving me true, good, constructive criticism, Mm. which is when, when else would you take it, you know, yeah. of all times and from someone that's really means it. 
So I took the advice and then we kept talking and I got lucky enough to be able to go back and visit his wife at his house and to see his home and his dogs and boy, stuff. Boy. And he was showing me all these pictures on the wall of him and all kinds of legends. It sounds like a dream whenever I'm talking about it, but it's so, I, I can't describe how at certain times I feel like, what am I doing? Where am I going to go next? Like, what's the, what's the next move? Like everybody feels that way. But if you continue doing the thing, like, it's so great to tell these stories because it almost reminds me that, you know, like when you keep pursuing something you love, the only thing that's bound to happen is good things. You know, if mm. you really work hard and try real hard, because then other people will see how much you love it. And then that's for everybody. You know, it, it goes for everybody. And you might end up having breakfast with David Crosby. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It's all about the, you know, being out there and really trying and, and just doing it for the love of it because then that's what it's all about. It's not about that perfect, you know, song. It's not about that perfect sound. It's about just doing you and, and loving it. I love it. I love it. And and tremendous insight again. But to finish off what you just said there, that is called live music. You can try to be perfect, yeah. but you have to accept the fact that more times than not, it's yeah. not going to be perfect, and that's just what live music is. And it's, it's fun. Yeah, and it and it is fun. And for the audience, ironically, Kenny Loggins' name just came up five weeks ago on episode four hundred nine during my interview with Chad Jeffers, Whoa. who he has been Carrie Underwood's cool. guitar player for the last 14 years. Go back, audience, wow. and listen to Chad's funny story about the first phone call that he got from Kenny Loggins. I'll put a link to oh, that gosh. interview on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. So, Carly Joe, you're talking about Michael McDonald, Kenny Loggins, David Crosby, but another name that I mentioned back in the intro that you also got connected to is Jeff Bridges. So how did that one come to be? And please also share with the audience what Jeff has done for you online. Oh, yeah, that one was very interesting because Jeff is a he's an interesting guy. Like he goes, you know, he lives out in Santa Barbara and he's been through a lot, you know, with all his acting experience and like people and crowds and all that stuff. So he's usually just chilling off by him, you know, on his lonesome. So it was really interesting to get him out to a gig one day that we had at a small, very small bar restaurant. It was like very locally. It's called Roy's out in Santa Barbara and it's locally known. It's sweet homemade food. And he came out and was sitting down and listening at a gig. And one of those moments where I'm just sitting on stage, hoping that this is going all right. Like I hope, you know, I hope that they're enjoying this. So did you know he was there? I did. They were telling me that he was going to show up. He's great friends with Chris Polonis, so I guess he was able to just text him and see if he wanted uh, to come out and I listen see. and stuff. But it was really cool because he had been talking about, I guess, the music that we were making with Jeff for a while, and he had shown him some of it. So he seemed interested okay. in maybe possibly working together. So it was really exciting to get him out there because I wondered – I just hoped that something more could come from it. Like maybe we could work together. Cause you know, like when you get to know like these people's characters and stuff, you really want to get to know them as a person because yeah. they seem so cool. And it's just a really cool experience. And he was one of the most coolest individuals I feel like I've ever <laughs> spoken to. Very, very insightful, very ethereal and honest and sweet and very understanding as well. We talked about being nervous as musicians and he gets nervous all the time. Like 
I feel like more so than most. It's crazy because you would think, why would Jeff Bridges get nervous, you know? Or he was explaining how, I, I think, I don't even know if he would remember this, but he's, we've talked about singing to rocks in the morning. Like he would wake up and go to the ocean and sing to the ocean and practice singing to the rocks. Cause sometimes that's what people look like whenever they're out in the crowd <laughs> looking back at you. <laughs> so it gets rid of the nerves to sing like that sometimes, but we just had some really cool conversations about music and stuff. And, um, eventually later on, Chris approached me and asked if I would be interested in being, um, a backing vocal on one of Jeff Bridges songs called my welcome mat. Yeah. Let me jump in here for a second, because in case the audience doesn't know, because everyone just thinks of Jeff Bridges as being an actor. So in case there's anyone that doesn't know this, he actually does have a band called the abiders, like abide by my rules, Jeff Bridges and the abiders. (laughs) So that's his connection to, to music and everything. So, so please continue your story of, of Chris saying, I'm sorry, I should mention that. Yeah. So they, it was this beautiful song called my welcome mat and it's got like huge choir vocals in the background. So they asked if I wanted to be thrown in there and I'm like, of course. (laughs) And anytime I walk in the studio, something crazy always happens. Let's go. And it was great. So I, I loved doing that and being connected to him on that. And he wrote a wonderful piece about me on his website for a company that he started called the sleep club. It's a really cool idea where it's focused on tending to sleep and products that help you sleep so that you can do your best during the day. Like you can't get things done. Obviously if you're not well rested and can't have ideas formulate, if your brain's not working, so it's good to focus on sleep. So that's what the sleep club is about. Sending out like sleep strips that have melatonin in them and safe ways to get to bed and like eye patches and stuff like that, that help you stay asleep. It's really about that. But he gave me a nice little bit on his website talking about my music. And that was like the best gift ever to Mm. hear him say such awesome things. There's even quotes from him on there, but it was unreal. It's like, is he really talking about me? I can't believe this, but (laughs) I often think back to that and it gives me much joy because it's really cool, you know, to have somebody so cool say something so nice about you. For sure. And let's get a couple of their clarifications here for openers. You have mentioned a couple times solving, I think you're pronouncing it. Where is that? Oh my gosh, you would love it. Solvang is in, it's near Goleta, which is in Santa Barbara. It's a small town and it looks like a tiny Danish town. It looks almost <laughs> like like a Disney thing, like Celebration Florida kind of, ah. um, because everything is all Swedish and Danish. That's why it's called Solvang because all the street names have different names like that. Okay. And it definitely looks beautiful on Christmas. I wish I could have seen it all dressed <laughs> up in their Christmas trees and fake snow and all that stuff. But that's where I go to perform at Chris Polonis's venue, the Lost Chord. There's also several other friends of theirs that live out there. It's a cool place, but it's, okay. it's definitely not one of the most well-known in California, but I would check it out if you ever go by. Well, so secondly, you've been talking about experiences in Santa Barbara, California, but before I ask you about calling Texas home, have you gone to Santa Barbara anymore since all that you've just told us about, or was that the extent of it? Yes, I actually went back in the fall, and it was so much fun because I just did three nights of gigs at Chris's venue, The Lost Chord, and it was like the most enchanting three nights ever. We just kept adding more Mm. artists to the stage. Each time we performed with people like Jackson Gillies, who is on the voice. And then, um, 
or I think it was American Idol, I could be mistaken, but he did an awesome job on television with his voice. And then John McEwen and several other artists that were just so much fun to get up there and jam with for three whole days. It was like the best jam Mm. session of all time, but we also did some recording. So I hope to go back and finish that. And yeah, we're, we're, we just started mixing stuff together. So there's nothing too crazy going on there just yet, but hopefully we can get back to it and finish things up pretty soon. But with, you know, the COVID stuff, it's kind of slowed down just a little bit. Well, as I mentioned right after the intro, you and I recorded our first interview on location in Miami because you were living there at the time, and it's just a short four-hour drive for me. But since then, you have relocated to Austin. When specifically did you make the move? Why did you make the move? How has it gone for you since putting down roots in Texas? Bring us up to date. Oh, man. I moved right in January 2020, like right when COVID hit. Oh, boy. And I actually got COVID on the drive over from Florida to Texas with my U-Haul. I was stopping at all kinds of rest stops. Like we didn't know, you know, what it was yet. So Mm. I definitely got it first thing. And so whenever I arrived here, it was really hard to get to know the city because I was really sick. And then after I got really sick, it got very cold and I didn't have a car yet. So Mm. I was like walking to the stores and it was freezing cold. It was just really hard to get to know the city whenever you couldn't really, you know, everything is shut down. It's freezing cold. It was like really hard to process and to get settled. So I ended up going back whenever COVID got really bad to Florida so that my parents could avoid going to the stores and stuff so that Uh, me and my sister could be there to do that for them. But why were you trying to move to Austin in the first place? Because I think Miami has a great, you know, I'd been there for several years, almost seven. So I felt like I had kind of exercised my my abilities as much as I could there almost Mm -hmm. not as much as I could, because there's always more you can do, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to expand and see where else I could go. And I thought about Nashville for a while. I thought about California for a long time too, having been visiting there all the time, but (laughs) California rent is a little (laughs) bit, I would be living in a car over there for real. (laughs) That's sleeping in my car. But, um, I kind of settled on Austin because I have an aunt who lives here, whose house I'm actually staying in now, who teaches at UT. So it was really close to the city, close to downtown. Plus, it cuts the distance to California in half uh, than going there from Florida. Okay. So it just kind of seems like the right place yeah, to be. Yeah. Plus, I have some friends that gig out here a lot, and they were telling me all these great stories about live music on 6th Street, and I wanted to get to know that and see if I could start off in a new city. And after I did, and then the COVID stuff happened and I had to come back, it was really scary. Like I was thinking I might've made a terrible decision leaving, you know, uprooting this thing where I had gigs in Miami. And why did I do that? Now I got to get started in a new town where I'm starting over. But shortly after I had this panic attack, things went so much better. I found a booking agent that was helping me get new gigs and stuff. Even throughout the pandemic, we were doing like Skype gigs and things like that. We were making it work. So 
it was one of those moments where it's like, is this a huge mistake now? And I came back to Austin and ever since I've dug my roots in real hard. Now I'm gigging like four or five times a week, which is great because I was really worried about it with the pandemic. It was convincing everybody that, you know, everything is over, but I'm so happy that Austin was able to get through it. We did lose some live venues that were pretty historic that weren't able to reopen, but in that we've made some new awesome ones too. So we're kind of working as we can. But I really like being here, and I'm glad that I made made the decision because in Miami, you might be able to recall this too, Miami is very high energy, right? Like there's lots of tourists coming through. They want to make sure everything's exciting and fun and pretty and just upbeat. So that gives you a lot of strength as a musician to keep the energy going. But in Austin, things are really bluesy and everybody's all laid back Mm. and chill and they're smoking a cigarette while they're playing this crazy guitar riff. And they're, (laughs) you know, it's, they're letting other musicians up on stage. It's very dirty blues and it's really cool. It's country blues as well, of course, but on sixth street lately, we've been getting lots of funk and crazy cool stuff that I feel like you don't get to see in all places. So it's important to travel and get other tastes of music. And that's kind of what I feel like has been the best thing from Mm -hmm. my move to Austin. I can do blue scales now. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Austin, Texas, by singer, songwriter, guitar player Carly Jo Jackson. Visit her official website at carlyjojackson.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Her new single is called Good Lovin' and is available for purchase on the likes of iTunes, a.k.a. Apple Music, and check out the video for it that she is releasing. Besides YouTube, she is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There are links for all of those on carlyjojackson.com. By the way, her music is available for TikTok videos. One of her songs alone has been used well over 13,000 times on there. Look for Carly Joe performing live. Beginning the day that this episode comes out, she has 12 dates in Texas for the rest of January. And of course, do join the more than 2,300 monthly listeners she already has on Spotify by following her on there. By the way, on the show page for this episode on NHTE.net, I am also going to put a link to the first interview that Carly Joe and I did back in the summer of 2018 for episode 236, so you can go back and listen to that conversation that we had too. Let's do a check-in on you, the audience member who does music or is an author or an entrepreneur or a magician or a comedian or a life coach or a small business owner, basically someone who gets interviewed or should be getting interviewed. How's that going for you? Are you getting results from all the time you put into being a guest on TV shows, radio, podcasts, etc.? Meaning, are you getting more sales? Are you getting more clients, more downloads, more bookings, whatever you're looking to get out of those interviews? I have taken all of my experience from hosting this show every week for close to eight years now, as well as my experience from working with Now Hear This clients, plus all that I did during the time I worked in the Olympic movement and the National Hockey League, and I have created an online class at interviewtipscourse.com where I'm giving you close to 30 tips to better position you to maximize the opportunities you get as an interviewee. Plus, there is a module where I share more than 15 different sources you can use to get leads to potentially get more guest bookings. Go to interviewtipscourse.com to get on your way to seeing more results from the efforts you make to promote your business, product, or service. 
Carly Joe, I just mentioned in there about a bunch of shows that you're doing in Texas. What do things look like, though, as it relates to live performances resembling a tour? Oh, man, we've been thinking about a tour for a long time since pre-COVID dates back in the prehistoric times <laughs> where we were thinking of going from Florida to places like Alabama, North Carolina, Atlanta, mm. and then Texas, jumping kind of across over landing in California mm-hmm. kind of thing. And we had some works going on really as far as booking venues, but we still had some things to sort out as far as the actual touring and the rides and everything like that. So it was, it feels like, you know, we already have a portion of a plan done. So we've been talking about unbearing this halfway done plan Mm. and kind of revisiting the contacts and seeing if we can rebook stuff and then starting a new tour whenever things start to look COVID positive, you know, like where it's getting better, you know? So right now things are still a little bit sticky, but hopefully within the near future, we can look to really starting to rebook these things because that's where I feel like I'm my best, you know, where I can get on stage and shake someone's hand or look at them and sing right to them or tell a story that they can feel too. It's always better live, you know? So I'm I'm really itching to get to that as soon as I can. So keep a lookout. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, for the audience, as you hear me say on so many episodes of the show, it's all the more reason to follow the guest, in this case, Carly Joe, online so that you can see if and when she announces a big tour. But in the meantime, as I said, if you're in the greater Austin area, look at her website anyways for the dates where you can go see her playing a lot, a lot just in January oh, yeah. alone. Local shows all the time. Yeah. Carly Joe, in the first half of the show, you talked about Chris Polonis and the project that you did in 2019. But what are you doing these days recording-wise and producer-wise? I don't know that you're necessarily still working with him or that you're just exclusive with him. Yeah, see, we work together on stuff that, you know, we get inspired together on. But, however, we're not exclusive anymore. So I do work with some producers here in Austin and some bands here in Austin. We're all seeing background music and stuff like that for their stuff. I may be um, working with a new band soon, touring as background for them, which will be lots of fun and lots of good exercise as a singer, you know, learning how to stay in pitch with somebody else. It's really good stuff. And then... um, as well as writing my own stuff with, I've been working with Eldridge Goins, who owns Mixorama Studios. It sounds fun, and it is fun, because <laughs> we have a great time. And we've kind of been recording stuff just for fun, but the sounds that we've been getting have been really different. And I think it's something that whenever we shape it up, it'll be really interesting for you know people who have been following, and it'll be a different taste of things, because I feel like... You know, with all these new sounds coming out and all this new time we've had to spend to ourselves and kind of recreate what we're doing with the whole COVID stuff, I feel like it's all coming out now. And now is the time to figure out what it is and shape it up. So I've been in several different studios here so far, but nothing permanent. And I do have some new songs still coming out. So I would definitely keep a lookout. All throughout the year, I've got plans to be releasing stuff some Easter eggs, some that'll be coming out of nowhere, and then some that'll be a little more planned and nice, stuff. Nice. Like for Christmas, I released something with Mike Walker, who's of Dreamwalker Music Evolution in Orlando, and I worked with them on one of my first EPs called Color Show, and it was nice to revisit them and have a little reunion and do a Christmas song together, and that's available on YouTube as well. But there'll be new stuff, I promise. Okay. Well, I want to stick with that concept, new music, because 
there's something that you've kind of talked about twice so far. <laughs> Earlier on, you were saying that when you went to Austin, you realized that, wow, there's a lot of different types of music here that maybe I might not have been exposed to in Miami or styles. And now you just talked about, you know, sitting around with COVID, it gives you time to play around and see some of the new stuff that's available. I actually probably should have asked this early on in case there are folks who are just being introduced to you for the first time, but let's talk about your, your sound, your genre, and maybe even since it has been three and a half years since our last interview, any change that maybe has taken place in your music over the years? Oh yeah. I feel like there has been a true change and, and we should discuss it because you're so, you're so good at you know, really reading musicians and being able to describe us. And I feel like it would be interesting to discuss it with you. So I really appreciate that question. Yeah. But um, I feel like the last time I saw you, I was really into the, it's strange why I feel like describing it this way. I don't know why, but I feel like the best way is to say, I feel like back then I was more interested in singing songs like on tracks. I wanted to Mm. get nice songs down, but now things have changed in a way where rather than really singing the songs and just trying to sound pretty or, you know, trying to make something pretty, I really am focusing on what's different. Like rather than trying to make something that sounds like, you know, the typical, the, the world agrees, yes, this is a pretty sound, making something that's more me, you know, whether it's not singing and maybe kind of like rapping a little bit or like speak singing in a way or, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting weird in some spots and really just kind of getting a little more blasty, I would call it. Just no excuses, going to say what I want to say. And whether it's a weird noise or it's a pretty, you know, melody or something, it's going to be something that's unique and from the heart. So I've been trying to be more honest in my music and also more experimental because with the whole thing with Chris Polonis, where that started, that was kind of the first real big experiment that I felt like I was doing with music. Like, okay, we've done all the stuff where we record things and we add the bells and whistles and we produce it and produce it again and mix it and master it and all this. Let's do one that's stripped down. So then after that, I started getting into doing some pop songs and then doing some more jazzy songs and things like that. So I feel like I've really focused more on my voice and like what that needs more than what I feel like writing, you know, writing towards a sound rather than trying to write for a melody or something that sounds really pretty. Just kind of letting your voice take it, let your voice carry it. I've also done a lot of different songwriting classes since. So I feel like I have different ways to write songs now than I used to. And it's really been able to open up what I want to do with my voice as well, because then it just opens up ideas. Well, but similarly, I think it's not too different from what's been said on a handful of episodes of the show in the past, which is guests who will come on and they'll say, don't write for the radio. Yeah. Because if all you're focused on is getting the perfect song and checking every box, mind you, in songwriting, just like in playing the guitar, there are rules, but then again, there are no rules. Right. So if you sit there and try to check all these imaginary boxes and say, this song stands a good chance of getting on the radio... Well, it's not giving you the room to do what it sounds like you're doing, which is saying, you know what? I'm at the point in my career now where I've done that 
and I don't feel like I'm really showing people who I truly am as an artist. And I want to write songs that I'm going to be happy with. And do I want the public to like them? Of course I do. At the same time, I'm going to go to bed at night feeling good that I wrote the song I wanted to, not the song that, oh, hopefully maybe one day this will end up on the radio. Totally. It's so funny how we... it should be enough, you know, that we can hear the song in our head. And then if we can hear something in a song, we shouldn't worry about it checking so many boxes because somebody out there is bound to hear, you know, that same melody that we heard. And it may not be everybody, but music, all not all music is for everybody, you know. So it's important to trust yourself there, too, you know, and and to go through those processes. You know, sometimes it's almost like you have to go through that time of wanting to check every box to become exhausted from doing it, yes, you know? And then yes. you're like, now I'm worn out from this and I want to just be me. It's about like how we mentioned in the last episode, it's a process of finding yourself and there's almost no way around it, but it's exciting. It's the best part. Well, it's and figuring out who you are. I had a client who one time wrote a song and she started performing it out, started performing it out, started performing it out. And the next thing you know, she decided that she really wasn't that thrilled with the bridge and said, I think I'm going to redo the bridge. And then she started performing oh, the song yeah. without the bridge and eventually said, you know what? The song is finished. I'm just taking out the bridge. And you have license to do that. Totally. See, that's what the performing out part too is really good about because sometimes that's a good way to check like how I mentioned, you can, if you can hear a melody in something, most likely somebody else will bop their heads to it too. If you just dedicate to it and full send it. But that's a good way to judge that is if you play it live and kind of sneak it into your set and see, you know, if you do get any head turns or any foot tappings or things like that, it's really good to practice it. And then you find out, well, I feel like this is too long with this part. I lost some people on this. so I'm going to trim the fat here. And then you, you may lose a bridge or something, but then you'll notice more success from your songs because you can literally see how it's affecting people. And it's really cool to keep your hand on that pulse. That's a really cool story. Cause I feel like that does happen a lot. And it's, it's nice to know I'm not alone with that, just publicly changing songs. <laughs> well, but I think the other side of that is, yes, of course, it's always a tremendous, tremendous gauge to look at the audience and their reaction or the lack thereof. But if you as the artist, if you as the songwriter, if you as the performer are standing on stage and you just flat out aren't happy with your own song, instead of doing what a lot of performers would do, which is, I'm just going to abandon that song altogether. If you just say mm. in your head, I'm real not, I'm, I'm still not really satisfied with the bridge. I'm just going to drop the bridge. Well, it goes back to that. Okay, yes, I want the audience to like it, but I got to like it first. And if I love the rest of the song, I just don't like the bridge. Well, then that's what we're going to go with. Totally. It's a hard thing to do too, because a lot of times I don't know what, there's got to be a word for it in your brain. Like whenever you hear something or you write something the first time, the first way, it's really hard to get it out of your head in that way. Yeah. Like you hear it the same way all the time, or you may start co-writing with someone else about it and it drives you nuts because you keep hearing it the way that you heard it and you can't wipe it clean. But that's really a special power is to be able to kind of not hold on to any form because sometimes some songs like my song moving on, it started off a really slow piano song and it was like almost a ballad. We were crying on the piano writing that song, but then 
I come back to the studio and that producer was like, okay, I did something last night that was kind of drastic, but let me know if you think this is crazy. And then he put a pop beat behind it and we're like, that's it. That mm. opened up the song so much bigger. So sometimes, and, and it was hard for me at first to be like, wait, but I really liked the way it was going. You can always make ballady versions of things that aren't ballads. So, you know, you can read, come back to it and do a special performance or something. So it, it was cool to kind of fall in love with it a different way. And then it, also keeps your mind open for, like you said, when you're stuck, like, oh, I really don't like this song. It allows you to let it change shape. Maybe I should flip this around or turn this backwards or cut up the words. There's some practices where you literally write the words down on a page and cut them up into separate pieces and spin them around and see if you find anything else, you know, and then you may end up writing a completely different song, but it's still your idea. You know, it still came from your brain. Absolutely. So it's really cool when you can let go of that. And, you know, and like you, like you said about that artist, you can literally delete things and on the spot by being like, yeah, now this feels better when you keep playing it and keep trying it because new doors open. Yeah. It's yeah. a great thing. Well, earlier on, you mentioned about Jeff Bridges and one of his initiatives, the Sleep Club website. And... Mm -hmm. On your website, you are identified as a Gibson-sponsored artist. I want to give you a chance to talk about your relationship with them and playing one or more of their guitars, as well as besides the Sleep Club that you already mentioned, if maybe there's any other companies that you want to give a shout-out to in addition to Gibson. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Gibson's been great since my um, relationship with them started at NAMM, performing on one of their stages. And they've ever since, they've given me, hooked me up with some guitars, and they've been awesome to play. I am the worst, and I... I'm so brutal with guitars sometimes. So one of them looks like a Willie Nelson guitar, but at this point, but it's been so great to have and to put your heart into. So I really love and respect that company for everything that they do for artists. And it's been an absolute dream to have their, their nod to some things. And I really appreciate them. And, um, also with the sleep club, they've been so helpful because I love sleep and they send me <laughs> sweet things, you know, like sleep strips and stuff, which are all available online at all times. If you follow the sleep club on Instagram, or if you go to sleepclub.com, you can find all their information and all their goodies and stuff. And I also work with Samson every now and then Samson music uh, technologies. Yeah. They've got great stuff on there. I love how you represent your companies too, because there's so many out there that are looking to help out artists, you know, that are, you know, constantly gigging or constantly doing podcasts, constantly working That's on right. the microphone. That's right. It's so important to help those artists out. And I think that those companies are well aware of that and they want to get products in your hands and help you out. It's all about reaching out and stuff. For sure. But um, for sure. they've been great for me as well, helping me out with, I you the, the gig box that I use, my speaker has been the same one from Samson, the XP 1000. And I've used it for my entire 1 million years of getting up on these dang stages and it works. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could, I may need to refresh it soon because I've beaten it up quite a bit, but it's always good stuff. But thank you for letting me do some shout outs. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I'll do a shout out to Nam, who we've mentioned a couple of times, you know, the Nam show. Yeah. It's because of them that we are able to continue these relationships, to start some of these relationships, to develop, foster these relationships, continue them to see people face-to-face -face and to learn about new products and to do things like have artists like Carly Joe perform for 
people in the music community. So a big shout out to Nam. Totally. Uh, when I mentioned earlier that Carly Joe and I, since our interview in Miami, have seen each other at events in Orlando and Anaheim, the Anaheim one was seeing each other at the Nam show, which is wonderful because you got like 110,000 people that go through there over four days. And yeah. the first time I ever went, it was like a needle in a haystack. <laughs> and then there I was a few years later and I'm walking around and it is, oh, there's Carly Joe Jackson just happened to bump into oh her because God. you just bump into so people funny. that you know the more and more that you go there and the more and more that you spend time in the global yeah. music community. It's an ocean of the best kind of people, I'd say. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, let's talk mm -hmm. about the brand new music video that you are releasing. I don't want to misrepresent this. So, folks, when I say body paint, don't get all crazy <laughs> on me and think that I'm saying that Carly stripped down to her birthday suit and got painted. But... Carly Joe, there are words and symbols painted on your arms, your chest, your stomach, your legs. Who did all that? How long did it take? Whose idea was it? Where was the video oh shot? All that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, the, the video was shot in a rented out studio in Orlando, Florida oh. by a friend of mine named Cam. Yeah, his, his name is Cam and he works the camera. So we love that about <laughs> him and his name. It's awesome. But um, Cam Freeman and he... Um, put together this we we were kind of sitting down and listening to the song because i knew i wanted to use him for this video because he's fun and we always have a great time together doing work so we knew that the music video would be fun and we put together some different video concepts and we fell in love with I, this idea of the laughing i don't know i'm sure you remember like yeah. the goldie hawn and yeah. the twiggy era where in the laughing it was this funny little show where in the cuts between scenes it would have it kind of reminds me of like a skit show mm -hmm. but in between scenes they would zoom in on either like goldie hawn or like some beautiful chick that was covered in like weird stamps and stickers or like strange sayings like written all over her body and it's like what is this it was very confusing to me to see but very cool to see something back in the day that i really want to take and represent today so it was kind of like my take on that okay. and i had to write everything it was really hard to do because when you're looking in a mirror everything is backwards wait a minute when you say you had to write everything you you painted yourself i did everything myself wow because Cameron saw what I was trying to do, but he, he was like, I, you're going to have to do it. I don't really get it. I'm like, Oh mm. gosh. So I was trying really hard wow. to do it right. And then we were, he was like, yes, okay, that looks good. This is straight. That's fine. So he was like making sure everything was straight, but it was really challenging to make sure nothing was backwards and that everything was different and wasn't smudged. Mm. I think there's some smudges here and there because it, it was like a rented out studio that was really hot and I'm like jumping around and then the body paint wasn't the best so it was like kind of melting but it was it ended up working perfect how long did this all take that took that scene took about two and a half three hours or so because we just kept running through the song and getting different takes of me trying to accomplish some laugh-in scene kind of dance moves but also my own style like you'll see me throw some high kicks in there and just like being crazy but when you say that it took two or two and a half hours is that including the time it took you to paint yourself or just shooting I would say the time it took to paint myself as well. Like okay. we rented out okay. the studio for, I think a three solid hour thing, but we left a little bit earlier because we were having so much fun and it was going so well that it just kind of like rapid fire worked, worked wow. out. Wow. But then there's another scene in there where we're running around in downtown Sanford, Florida. Yeah. Um, and there's like a couple of people in frog suits and stuff. That whole concept is meant to be about 
the release at the end of the song, like the happy moment. So the frogs kind of represent happiness and I'm running okay. around like we're taking shots and we're playing dominoes and we're shooting each other with squirt guns. We just thought like, since the song is so fun, we should make this music video as fun as possible. And it doesn't have to make total sense, <laughs> but we established some looks in there and I'm glad you saw the looks. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm, I'm glad that you covered it. Cause I was going to ask you the character that, I, w- I want to say he was pulling you in a wagon, but I thought, what in the world is is that supposed to be, and, and what's going on here? So I'm I'm glad that you covered that. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh! It was kind of hard to accomplish too. Like we almost were thinking, should we scrap that part of it? But we had he Cameron was doing such a great job with the editing, and we kept <laughs> flipping things around, and it was just so good. And the person pulling me is actually his sweet, sweet wife, ah. and it is from my I can say this from experience. It is incredibly hard to pull somebody in a wheelbarrow. Just saying, it's not easy. <laughs> the length that you saw her walking, that's about as far as we went because mm. it's really hard to carry somebody over 100 pounds in the freaking <laughs> carts. Ugh. And Carly weighs 102, so she's over 100 pounds. <laughs> no, way over that. I'm so, maybe like a child you could wheelbarrow and it'd be <laughs> funny, but like, oh my gosh, an, an adult? Absolutely not. It was too heavy, but we got the shots. We got it. <laughs> for as long as we could that's the magic awesome. of filming you can awesome. edit it and you had fun along the way which is extremely and we important. had lots of fun oh yeah you can see that in the video for sure well we're going to close Thank today you. with the brand new single that carly joe is talking about the video for the song is called Yay. good lovin but before i let you go and i play that track carly joe share with the audience all about this song if you would please uh, thank you, Bruce. I love this song because it's so relevant in my life right now where I've gone through kind of a nasty breakup and I was kind of excited to look forward to hanging out with my friends again and having a good time and really becoming myself again. Cause I think everybody's been in one of those relationships where you kind of lose yourself and you may even lose some friends or relationships with family members because you haven't been spending the time that you should. So it's really about that glorifying moment of being free again and being excited about it, not being down about, you know, being broken up with or whatever. It's more about, I get my life back and I can be happy by myself again. So good loving is something that we all need. And I wrote this for everybody because it's more of a pop song that I want to, you know, I want it to be in everybody's radio if it can. So Mm. I hope you like it. Let me know what you think. Awesome. Carly Joe, great to have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for making time to be here and best of luck in the new year. And we'll be looking for more new music and hopefully more live shows from you as well. Uh, Thank you, Bruce. I hope we can chat again soon. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Carly Jo Jackson. Do visit her official website at carlyjoejackson.com. Again, I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Her new release is a song called Good Lovin', and I encourage you to support her by purchasing a download of the song from iTunes, Apple Music, the typical online digital retailers. And by the way, on carlyjoejackson.com, there is a store option where you can buy physical copies of two different CDs from her as well as some other merch. Engage with her through social media as well. On her website, there are links to Carly Joe on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Follow her on one or more of those and let her know you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember also that if you are a content creator who is using TikTok, Carly Joe's music is available to use on there as well. 
Keep up with Carly Joe online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. And remember to go back and listen to the first interview that she and I did on location in Miami in the summer of 2018. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. That was episode 236. One more reminder before I wrap up, my online class at interviewtipscourse.com is on demand in a go-at-your-own-pace format, so you can do it when it's most convenient for you rather than worrying about a specific date and time fitting into your schedule or not. Plus, it has corresponding downloads as well to support what you're learning along the way. Don't just keep doing interviews and coming away frustrated that nothing came from them. Learn from me and all that I've been doing with interviews for years and years now, not only hosting this show, but booking now here this clients into interviews, plus the work that I did with athletes, coaches, and executives during my time in the Olympic movement and the National Hockey League. Go to interviewtipscourse.com now to get started. That will do it for episode 414. Thank you so, so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'll send you out today with the newest single from Carly Joe Jackson. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Good Lovin'. Baby, boy, don't trip. You should go. No last years. No, no, no. You're some kind of monster. But I'm getting stronger. You know what you did. You know I know. I can't commit. You're so cold. But I got the fire. Boy, I'm a fighter. I just need some good loving time. Don't need all the fights and fussing Keep on with your satisfaction I-